Welcome everyone to a brand new show. As many of you know, I actually got my start in the industry at Player Profiler, and a lot of what they do is just awesome content in general. They are in many ways the the kings of a podcast network. Couldn't be more happy to announce that we're beginning a four-part series, the 33rd team and Player Profiler. For episode one, we're going to be diving into the quarterback position. Then we'll dive in next week to running backs, the following week, wide receivers, the week after that, tight ends. And then we're going to end with a big show for the good people at the end of November. You'll notice some analysts from Player Profiler popping into more 33rd team podcasts these next few weeks. And conversely, some 33rd team analysts will also be popping on to some Player Profiler shows. Without further ado, let me introduce Theo Greminger the podcast director at the 33rd team, respected analyst, respected high stakes player. He is the OG fantasy on Twitter. And then most of you tuning in already know Ryan Reynolds at Ryan Reynolds NFL, the associate director of fantasy and betting at the 33rd team, or as I like to call him, the more famous Ryan Reynolds. I'll be your host for this four-part series, Josh Larkey. You can find me on Twitter at tweets. Guys, let's dive right in. We're going to be talking about Rookie year quarterbacks followed by the second year quarterbacks. And we'll end the show with a little bit of Caleb Williams talk. Let's start with Bryce Young. He was a two-year starter at Alabama. He won the Heisman in 2021. He had nearly 4,900 passing yards that year, 47 passing touchdowns. He only threw seven picks. He was throwing to NFL receivers like Jameson Williams, John Mechie. Both of them left for the NFL in 2022. And despite the worst supporting cast, he still averaged the same yards per pass attempt the year after his Heisman win, still threw 32 touchdowns, only five interceptions. If he weren't six foot, 195 pounds soaking wet, he would have been a borderline generational quarterback prospect. And the Panthers traded up with the Bears to take him with the first pick in this year's draft. Ryan, let's talk about what Bryce Young has put on film through five starts. You know, as, as all three of us know, and everyone watching this knows, he's struggled so far. Uh, that wasn't a big surprise for me. The Panthers' most difficult schedule stretch of the season came in their first six games before the Week 7 bye. I know from an offensive rookie of the year perspective entering the year, my game plan was let's leave him alone until the bye week. Let's see what happens there. Obviously, he hasn't built enough of a foundation yet to compete in that race. But, you know, he he's he struggled. Part of that's the Panthers' skill group is, you know, maybe the worst in the league all around. Their offensive line's been worse than we expected too. So uh, I give him, you know, I give him a bit of a pass to this point. My, my bigger concern is he's already missed a game. And like you said, he's he's on the smaller side in terms of NFL quarterbacks, but has potential as a play extender. My favorite thing about him sometimes is that he has some good sleight of hand and he makes some good decisions. And by sleight of hand, my, I mean ball fakes, looking receivers off. I've seen some positives in that regard, but you know, I'm hoping that over the next few weeks they have the Texans, the Colts, and the Bears that we see more of them, more from them than we have. Theo, how should we be handling Bryce Young in Dynasty? And let's frame it as: Has anything changed for you about him from draft day in April to what's now nearly the midpoint of the 2023 season? No, he was a guy that we were always kind of behind consensus on. We had him consistently behind C.J. Stroud in our Dynasty rankings. In our rookie, uh, in our rookie draft rankings, he's just somewhat limited in what he can give us as a fantasy football player. He's a smaller quarterback who lacks scrambling ability. He's had one game with with three passing touchdowns, but I think it's a little bit concerning the number of picks we've seen. 
Uh, he's been a little bit looser with the ball than I would have anticipated. And I think that he really lacks the weapons. Uh, Adam Thielen is playing just out of his mind, but they really need to go get Bryce Young. Uh, you know, probably before the trade deadline, they need to go get him another wide receiver and kind of see where he's at. But in terms of dynasty, he's a hold or a buy low if somebody's looking to sell because he's very insulated as a long-term starter. There's a lot of guys we'll talk about today where like their long-term viability is not necessarily there. Bryce Young is going to be the quarterback for Carolina for many, many years to come. And if he fails out of Carolina, somebody else is going to give him another, another chance because number one pick quarterbacks get chance after chance after chance. Yeah, I think a, a great example of that is Baker Mayfield still getting another chance. Currently, the Buccaneers starting quarterback for Dynasty Rankings. Our own Ian Miller has him ranked 14th. Player Profiler has him very similarly at 15th. At that point, I think we're nitpicking, but it I'd say it feels like we're both uh, trending towards maybe slightly below yeah. consensus on Bryce Young and Dynasty. Let's move on to CJ Stroud. Stroud started two seasons at Ohio State. He threw 44 touchdowns in 2021, then 41 touchdowns last year. He was only intercepted six times in each season. The efficiency numbers much better for Stroud than Young. But Stroud was thrown to a wide receiver group that included Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison, among others. The Texans took him at the second overall right after Bryce Young. But to Stroud's credit, there were rumors in March and April reflected in the betting markets that the Panthers had been considering Stroud at the first overall pick. Through six games, Stroud's averaging 277 pass yards a game. He's thrown nine touchdowns, only one interception. His 7.8 yards per attempt is fourth at the position, despite playing with a supporting cast that definitely inspired minimal confidence to begin the season. Ryan, I, I've rattled off some stats, but you've watched every snap of every game since 2014. You're still alive to tell about it. Has the tape looked as good as the stats through six games? And has your play style comp changed for him since draft day? Well, that's a great question, Josh. Um, my I compared him to Dak Prescott. Um, and I think I was waiting to see more of that towards the end of the season. The fact that we're seeing that right now is, you know, a pleasant surprise for Texans fans for sure. Uh, he's been extremely efficient, like you said. He's had two big spike games. Um, my biggest concern here, not concern here, my the thing that the biggest compliment that I'll give Stroud is he did a lot of this behind a Texans offensive line that was missing two or three starters in one game four against some pretty good pass rushes. So him him playing this well this early, I mean, we're, we're looking at maybe a top 10 quarterback in the league long term. And, you know, he's even ran a little bit more than I thought, too. So that's obviously a positive for fantasy. Theo, talk to me about Stroud's streaming appeal for fantasy this year. And then if we look many years out in the future for dynasty managers, is it an overreaction if we just start aggressively moving Stroud up the rankings with each passing game? No, I don't think that that's any any sort of bad process. I think that he's the real deal. When we talked about his like fantasy ceiling this, this past offseason, he was a guy that I thought would be like a Kirk Cousins, a guy who would give us some fantasy production, but not really like break the roof off. I think he's actually closer to like a Joe Burrow level talent um, and I like Ryan's Dak Prescott, uh, you know, comparison as well. That sort of guy that, you know, having a top five quarterback season or seasons in, is in the realm of possibilities for him. I mean, bottom line, I think CJ Stroud is a stud 
And I think that the that the system that they have for him, constantly putting three wide receivers out on the field with him has been really beneficial to his game. But like he doesn't get sacked and he doesn't throw interceptions. So he's he's able to see the field so well, like a like a real veteran presence to him, despite being a younger uh, rookie quarterback. It's such a, a such a big L for people who actually care about things like the S2 test. The whole company should go out of business. If you ask me based on how CJ Stroud is, is looking, the guy reads an NFL defense as well as better than half the quarterbacks out there. And now we see the bye week for him. I wonder if they're going to try to mix things up and get even a little bit more aggressive. Uh, it's a perfect week to do so. I think Houston could put some points on the board against Carolina this week. I'd agree as well. Reminder, player profiler had CJ Stroud ahead of Bryce Young. We had them in the same tier. We actually had Young a click ahead of Stroud like most. And like most, it looks through seven weeks like we are incorrect. Stroud definitively the, the better dynasty asset at this point. We have him at quarterback eight. Player profiler has him at quarterback 11. Though if you look at actual tiers and the the lifetime value system that player profiler does so well, you'll see that we're actually both quite bullish on CJ Stroud relative to most other dynasty quarterbacks. Also, speaking of player profiler, their all-in package has been reduced to $85 rest of season. So if you're suddenly going, oh, I, I've got some surprise dynasty contending teams that I didn't expect, I need a little more help. $85 rest of season, if that's too high and you were hoping it would be $75, well, congratulations. Promo code Theo. Theo gets you $10 off. It gets you to that $75 price point. You get their data analysis suite of tools, weekly rankings, dynasty rankings, the lifetime values for players that I mentioned that I would say is pretty pioneering in the industry. I know it's influenced a lot of the, the stuff that I've done since leaving Player Profiler. And you get all of their DFS tools as well. Let's talk about Anthony Richardson. Richardson, for those who didn't know, you should all know at this point, but he's the most athletic quarterback in NFL history. He's six foot four, 244 pounds. He ran a 4-4-3 40-yard dash. His vertical jump was over 40 inches. Put another way. Richardson's combine metrics were similar or better than Christian McCaffrey across the board even though Richardson is 40 pounds heavier. He only started one year at Florida, and it was definitely a, it was a mixed bag as a passer. He had 2,500 passing yards. He had 17 touchdowns, but he threw at nine picks. That's not a very good ratio. Though, I will say the supporting cast at Florida was so much worse than what C.J. Stroud had, so much worse than what Bryce Young had. Richardson also contributed 650 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns last year in his lone season as a college starter as well. In the NFL, it's been a tiny sample. He's appeared in four games, but two of them he left before halftime due to injury. I'd say that what we saw was a better passer than someone like myself anticipated. And as a runner, he reached 10 carries in both of his full games. He'll now be missing the rest of the season, undergoing shoulder surgery. Ryan, what did you see from Richardson and what we'll say amounted to a little bit under three full games. And do you think he's going to have to modify the way that he plays football at the NFL level to stay healthier next year? I'll answer that second question first. Yes. I mean, all NFL quarterbacks that run need to take less contact. Josh Allen's pretty much the only guy that can, you know, take on hits from linebackers like they're nothing. Anthony Richardson, obviously, you know, he has to slide more, especially since, you know, he's what you have Lamar Jackson 
and then probably him and Jalen Hurts are the three best rushing quarterbacks in the league. So I, he definitely needs to take less contact. That said, I thought I liked him more as a passer than most did coming into the season. I thought the ceiling there was a bit similar to Cam Newton, where we're not exactly talking about Tom Brady here, but they have a dynamic athlete that can make plays downfield and be kind of at least semi-efficient in the short to intermediate game. And I think he even blew, he even surpassed my expectations on that front. I think his his match with Sean Steichen's great. Steichen helped develop Jalen Hurts. And, you know, I don't think there's any – the Colts, apart from the injury situation with Richardson, they have to be very encouraged about what they saw out of him in his first three games as an NFL quarterback. Guys, that's Ryan Reynolds, NFL on Twitter. The better Ryan Reynolds. Theo, how do we even begin to value Richardson and Dynasty? What we saw was so tantalizing for fantasy points, yet there's really not many good player comps out there, and now Dynasty managers are sitting on the rest of the 2023 season with a guy that's not starting for them each week. Well, I think Ryan made a made a great point about Shane Steichen um, and how you know he set up for success in Indianapolis. The injuries are very concerning, but I'm kind of less concerned about a shoulder injury long term than I would have been if it was a lower body injury, like some reconstructive knee surgery. And he's only 21 years old, so he'll be 22 years old next season uh, with a good situation around him with with receivers who we think are pretty good players. Michael Pittman and Josh Downs, as well as Jonathan Taylor now insulated with that contract. So for me, I don't want to play fantasy football in a in a scared way. I want to kind of swing for the fences and go for these high upside plays. And Anthony Richardson right now, if you're a productive struggle team or rebuilding team, this is a perfect guy for you to go get. If you have a quarterback who's scoring well and has fantasy viability, you know, this is a perfect like two for one type trade to go get Anthony Richardson because Anthony Richardson kind of changed the outlook for the teams that had him short term, where dynasty managers were not looking at some big rebuild with him. He was giving you two top five weeks kind of out the gate. And Josh, we know mm -hmm. we we talked about him potentially breaking the all time scoring record set by Cam Newton in his rookie year for most fantasy points by a quarterback. That's how good he looked. So I think he can get better at the mental aspects of the game in terms of keeping himself healthy, but the physical tools are all there and the long-term support is there with Indianapolis. So I'm still bullish on Richardson, even though I, I hate seeing him leaving multiple games to injuries. It's just a, it makes you think about like RG three and situations like that in the past. It's, it's kind of concerning, but I think we have to swing for the fences. We have to roster high upside players in dynasty. If we want a chance to win dynasty leagues. Theo is at the OG fantasy on Twitter. Got to love the way that he talks about football and uh, few people have the, the track record he has with, with high stakes, with the analysis that he brings to the table, blending film data, dynasty rankings. We have him quarterback 10 player profiler, slightly more bullish quarterback nine. Looks like overall, we're both quite optimistic about his career potential. Before moving to the second-year quarterbacks, let's just very, very quickly mention the two other guys in this class that deserve a mention. One, Will Levis. He was frequently mocked as a first-round NFL draft pick. He's got the prototypical size, arm strength, overall athleticism to be an NFL quarterback. There's some questionable decision-making. He started two years at Kentucky. The passing efficiency in terms of yards per attempt was actually fairly strong. The issue was there's far too many interceptions littered throughout his game logs. 
The Titans took him at pick 33 early in the second round of this recent NFL draft. He'll be starting his first NFL game this Sunday, this Sunday. Good, good timing on the podcast. It's a home game. They'll face the Falcons. Ryan, talk to me about what to expect from his first NFL start and what should we be looking for from him in this game plan in his first game? I've never been a big Will, Will Levis guy. Uh, I'll say two things positive about him, though. Um, Mike Vrabel's a very good football coach, and Will Levis eating a rotten banana almost seemed like a, a call for help for Mike Vrabel. Like, please come draft me. I'm your kind of guy. I fit with the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. That said, watching this guy start his first NFL game behind, you know, what we're maybe the worst offensive line in the league is concerning. Um, Atlanta's actually given up the ninth fewest points per game, too, this year. So they're facing a, a real defense this week. So, Thankfully, he's starting over Malik Willis because that was a little alarming itself, gentlemen, that the Titans thought so little of him two weeks ago that they actually went to Willis before Levis when Ryan Tannehill got hurt. So glad they're pivoting there. Uh, you know, just at least like flashes, consistency would be lovely. I don't think we should count on that, but at least flashes that he can be an NFL passer is what I'm looking for this week. Yeah, I know that I'll have to move DeAndre Hopkins up my weekly fantasy rankings. Uh, Malik Willis yet to reach 100 passing yards in a game is and NFL quarterback Will Levis. I think we can definitively say that outside of injury, he should he should top 100 passing yards on Sunday. Theo, quarterbacks like Will Levis, they're notoriously hard to value in dynasty. I'd say that given the second round draft capital in his profile, he's likely just a zero long term. But the the tools, as I mentioned before, they're in place for some kind of productive fantasy asset if he gets real opportunities. Talk me through how we balance these two factors and how player profilers' lifetime value is going to reflect that. Yeah, so Levis is an interesting one because he's got a big arm. I'll say that about him. Like he can, he definitely has a big arm. And from a fantasy perspective, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. Maybe he has tunnel vision, which sometimes we get. Like these rookie quarterbacks in their first game, they'll fixate on their alpha target. So we could get like a sneaky DeAndre Hopkins game. But you bring up the turnovers. And you bring up the second round draft capital. There hasn't been a whole lot of hits from second round quarterbacks. Like Jalen Hurts is the big standout like outlier here. Um, but kind of chasing it, it's not a great bet historically when these guys fall to that range. And I don't know. I just, I, I to me, I see him as like a replacement level talent. And Tennessee, the wheels could completely fall out from under them. They're already starting to trade guys. So they might have exposure to a couple quarterbacks in this class and Levis's window will close very quickly if they take a quarterback in the first round this year, which I think would absolutely be in the realm of possibilities. So we're not that high on him, um, and I'm not that high on him. I just think that this is like Ryan said, I think this is a game where you stream the Falcons' defense, expect to see Vrabel is going to protect him as much as possible in the game plan. You're going to see a lot of the big dog, maybe a little bit more Tajay Spears, and a very limited target tree to keep things simple for him. Yeah, Theo, you bring up a good point there. He's going to have to play really, really well in Tannehill's absence because the Titans right now look like one of the worst NFL teams, and there's some very, very good college quarterbacks in the upcoming class. Before we hit the second year, guys, Hendon Hooker, we'll mention him, five-year college player, started two years at Virginia Tech, started two years at Tennessee. Those final two years at Tennessee were promising, finally put it together as a passer. He averaged 3,000 passing yards per season in those two years, a total of 58 passing touchdowns to only five interceptions in that two-year span. Decent size, 
prolific college runner, over 2,000 rushing yards, 25 rushing touchdowns during those four years as a starter. But the bad, uh, tore his ACL 11 months ago. He's already 25 years old. He turns 26 in January. And the Lions took him in the third round of the NFL draft this year. Ryan, do you have any hope for a player like this at the NFL level? Or should we simply just begin to move on to these second-year quarterbacks? Uh, you know, I think he's an interesting dart throw because of his because uh, of his landing spot. You know, it, especially coming off the injury, him sitting in Detroit, he, he'll probably never benefit from Ben Johnson. I imagine he's going to be a head coach next year. But you know, premium offensive line, Amon Ross St. Brown, our guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, Josh, Jamison <laughs> Williams, Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. That's a pretty good young supporting cast if he gets an opportunity to play. But you know, obviously Detroit, Detroit's probably going to extend Jared Goff at this point. I think that's certainly what it seems like. Theo, let's talk about Hooker and Dynasty. You think he's a trade throw-in? Are you just staying away? Is this just insurance if you have Jared Goff on your Dynasty team and this is like a, a, a spot starter due to injury? Where, where where should we think about Mr. Hooker? I'd like to clarify that Amon Ross St. Brown is all of our guys, guys. You know, guys, we're, we're, we're claiming him too at player profile and not just 33rd team. That's um, fair. The Podfather was all over the Sun God as well this summer, so... Glad, you know, like great minds think alike, guys. We're all we're all loving the sun god. But I think like the best thing you said, Josh, was if you're at all worried about long-term viability for Jared Goff and you want to have his potential backup next year, um, then I think that that's, that's the only kind of fantasy managers who really need to aggressively go and roster him. Like you said, he's an overaged prospect coming off of a major surgery. The Lions this this offseason said they don't expect him to play for a very long time. So there's sort of like a cryptic nature for that. Um, so again, Jared Goff, I think, is the kind of guy where people want him to be this replacement guy, but he keeps outplaying that and he keeps winning games. So he's winning games. He's also being pretty productive. Um, so it's sort of like an Alex Smith situation where a great, great quarterback could come along and take Jared Goff's job. But I don't think they're just going to make a change just to make a change with a guy like Hendon Hooker. I think Goff is is pretty safe right now uh, as a dynasty asset uh, and as the Detroit Lions starting QB, especially with them, you know, potentially winning double digit games, making the playoffs, and probably winning a playoff game based on how they're looking. Amon Ross St. Brown was a consensus second round pick in fantasy drafts this year. The thirty third team player profiler both had him in the first round. I think he's going to have a big second half of this season for the 33rd team. My fantasy rankings hit the site yesterday. They're free to view. So did Ryan's power rankings, my rest of season rankings and trade value chart. You get that nice downloadable color coded PDF. Like last week, those will be out later this afternoon. I will finish those up after the show and send them off to the editing team. Let's talk some second year quarterbacks guys. Kenny Pickett. He started four years at Pitt. He never popped uh, until year five. He was older than everyone, but he threw for 4,300 yards, 42 touchdowns, only seven picks. He's got some sneaky mobility as a runner. He had 800 rushing yards in college, 20 rushing touchdowns during his career. Steelers took him at pick 20 last year. The rookie season was rough. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. More throws to the other team than touchdowns. I believe it was seven touchdowns, nine interceptions. He reached 200 passing yards in just four of his 12 rookie year starts. This year, the supporting cast, the offensive line, were improved during the offseason, but the injury bug struck Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, 
Even Kenny Pickett himself had a knee injury earlier this year. Ryan, the good news. He's coming off his best game of 2023. Deontay Johnson is back. The Steelers just beat the Rams 24-17 to in Week 7. What have you seen from him to this point? Are you optimistic about the rest of season outlook with him? I think when you talk about P Kenny Pickett, it's important to talk about NFL quarterbacks in general. If we're being honest with ourselves, there's 10, maybe 12 guys that are guys that you want long-term. There's maybe another 10 that are viable NFL starters that you know you, you re-sign them because the other 10 teams will take them off your hands in a heartbeat. That's why Daniel Jones got paid $40 million a year this year. So I think in that realm, can Pickett be around 20? I think he can. He played well in games late last year, played when it mattered. Like you said, this year, the Steelers actually have a pretty good young supporting cast, but they've only played one game together now, which was last week. So I don't have a ton of enthusiasm, but can he be, you know, a league average starting quarterback long term? And the Steelers are going to give him at least four years. You know, they're one of those teams. They're not they're not going to push the eject button too soon. But, yeah, I, I think the, the ceiling we're talking about here is, you know, if he's the 18th best quarterback in year four in the league, that would probably be a good thing for him. Yeah, Steelers haven't had a losing season in, I believe it's about two decades at this point. So it's yeah. not like they're going to have a high draft pick anytime soon to replace him. That's a good point there. Theo, we, we all play Dynasty. How should we handle small hands? Can he pick it? He would be the kind of guy that if I could trade up from him, maybe move him for like an older veteran or move him for somebody who maybe has less long-term uh, viability, but a higher upside that can help me win Dynasty games then I'm doing it. I just look at Kenny Pickett and yes, they, they won this past week and they've been winning a few games and, and uh, they're a great organization, but we've seen now, I believe it's 19 starts for Kenny Pickett and he's had one single game where he passed for more than 300 yards. He's had one single game where he's passed for two touchdowns. Like he's got one, one game with multiple touchdown Oof. passes. That's insane. Um, and he's, you know, I, I believe his weekly high for a finish, and I'd have to double check this one, but this year it's quarterback 15 was his was his weekly finish that was his high for his career. And I don't think he topped that last year either. So Kenny Pickett has just been so limited in the fantasy production he can give us. Yes, he was a first round draft pick, but there comes a point where this is the definition of a, I really want to pivot up from Kenny Pickett to a better talent. I think he kind of limits what Pittsburgh can do offensively and limits the upside of their team. When you talk about going into a playoffs against a guy like Lamar Jackson and a guy like Josh Allen and a guy like Patrick Mahomes and a guy like Joe Burrow, uh, it's 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 bad. It's bad news for Pittsburgh long-term to have him behind center. So I just don't trust him enough. I think you trade you if you're looking to move on from him, you kind of play up the fact that he is a second-year player. He was a first-round draft pick. But at the end of the day, I just don't see the talent and I don't see the fantasy scoring. We don't necessarily see the talent or the fantasy scoring either. We have him 26th in the dynasty ranks. You guys have him 25. It looks like neither of our companies are particularly excited. And guys, Theo is the OG fantasy on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out all of his work, not just on Twitter, but on playerprofiler.com. Let's turn to Sam Howell. I think we can view Sam Howell a little like Baker Mayfield with no draft capital. Howell had three productive seasons at North Carolina. He totaled more than 10,000 passing yards, 92 passing touchdowns, only 23 picks. He had a little over a thousand rushing yards on the ground too. 
though more than 800 of that was in his final season when they really let him loose. Bad supporting cast. He's running for his life, and he was actually relatively effective doing it. He fell to the Commanders, though, fifth round of last year's draft. But as a starter this year, uh, he has been the starter. Negatively, he's pacing to break the NFL record for sacks taken in a season by a quarterback by about 20. Positively, there have been some flashes. The Commanders are actually somehow still in the playoff picture to this point. Ryan, we were definitively not Sam Howell people to start the year. Have you changed your tune through these seven weeks? Yeah, I like him more now than I did two months ago for sure. Uh, I've called him a cross between Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones. Uh, one thing that I've noticed a few times now is he's actually a pretty good passer. He's, you know, and I told you guys before we before we went live today is I view him as the kind of quarterback that can get you know trouble as an organization. He's just talented enough where you can talk yourself into him long term, but I don't think you're you're gonna win anything with him. As I said on I think it was the waiver wire show. I think I, when Case Keenum won 13 games with the Vikings. I think Sam Howell has that kind of season in him where he could take a really good roster to the NFC Championship, but in terms of consistency, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's there really. Theo, job security is the big issue with Howell and Dynasty. Player profiler is actually quite optimistic on him. Got him at quarterback twenty-two overall. That's higher than Kenny Pickett. That is crazy. Did you know Kenny Pickett was a first-round pick? And then you look, and we have him quarterback twenty-three, also ahead of Kenny. Pick it. Very, very interesting. What should we do in Dynasty at this point? It seems like we're all kind of bullish on him. I think with Sam Howell, just treat him like he's 10 years older than he is. And that that makes your entire Dynasty process better because he's been very good for fantasy this year, especially in Superflex. Uh, this is a guy, he's got a five top 14 finishes, weekly finishes. The other two games were very, very bad. But he does two things that will will prevent him from being a long-term uh, NFL quarterback. He throws a lot of interceptions. Ryan, I believe he's on pace for 17 interceptions. Um, and he is on pace to take the most sacks in NFL history. And it's <laughs> yeah. so funny. The guy, it's like he's completely blind to certain pass rushes. He, he is, doesn't he's... pick it up. It's 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 crazy. So I I really like uh, Sam Howell as a, as a fantasy football player. But in terms of like a an NFL organization can't look at Sam Howell and say, this is the guy that's going to take me to the promised land. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, but he's very fun for us. You think about like the Jameis Winston season a couple years back where he throws for so many touchdown passes throw so many interceptions. And then the next year he's on someone's bench that could be like Sam Howell. And also Josh, he has no insulation with his draft capital. This is a day three guy. So the day three guys are already kind of the NFL teams are already getting ready to kind of push them to the side but for us go get him this is like if you have kenny pickett i'm making a kenny pickett for sam howell trade all day long because i know that sam howell is going to give me more fantasy production and a year from now i don't know if kenny pickett's going to be a starting quarterback for pittsburgh smart stuff on both ends ryan i really like the case keenum comparison and then theo on your end i i love the way that you framed just add 10 years to his age and now you can properly value him in dynasty Speaking of Theo and player profiler, uh, Ryan will be on first class fantasy tomorrow. That is the show that Theo and Billy Muzio host. So check that out in the player profiler podcast feeds. Check it out on their YouTube. I will be on the game plan with Maddie Kiwoom this Saturday for player profiler. We're going to try and help you win your fantasy leagues this year. 
in general, there's no company out there that has more free podcast, YouTube content than Player Profiler. Their media is all free. And we will have the running back, the wide receiver, and the tight end versions of this podcast out in the next three weeks. Gents, let's turn to Desmond Ritter. Four-year starter at Cincinnati. Three-to-one touchdown to interception ratio across those four seasons in college. That's very good. But uh, overall, the efficiency just wasn't that great when it, when you look at actual pass yards per attempt. He had more than 2,000 rush yards in his career. He ran a 4.5240 at the Combine. That's a similar time to Russell Wilson for context. So a, a very, very plus runner, but not quite super special for fantasy production. He started four games to close out last year. He finally unseated Marcus Mariota at the end of the year. The results were mostly not good. This year, uh, positively, he started every game for... Atlanta, negatively, uh, he might be holding them back at some times. Ryan, what have you seen from Ritter? And do you think in any way he's a long-term solution for this team? And I'll add on another element. Do you think he or Howell is more likely to start games for their team next year? And Theo, you're going to get that same question as well, since I think that's kind of a fun dichotomy. I think Howell's more interesting. And like Theo said, he's brave too. Like, while he'll take sacks, like you got to give him some credit. It's one of the reasons I like about him. He's tough. Desmond Ritter... Wasn't crazy about him at all coming out. I was definitely below consensus on him. And now, gentlemen, it's 2023, and opposing defenses are basically saying to the Atlanta Falcons, we want the, we want to make Desmond Ritter beat us. That's not a good thing. That's not a positive at all. You know, he's had some productive games over the last three weeks, but turnovers have been a problem. This week, he gets the Kevin Byard list Titans secondary. Big upside there. Falcons offensive line has a shot to mitigate the Titans' push, too. So pretty good pretty good situation this week but you know we talked about this in week two or so josh if matthew stafford was the falcons quarterback they're a legitimate threat in the nfc with desmond ritter you know if if they win the division they're going to lose in the first round probably to the lions maybe they're the maybe they're the they're the team that gets fed to the lions this year theo oh i like that one ryan <laughs> that's a good one theo before uh we talk about ritter too much quick hitter who do you think is more likely to start games next year for their respective team howell or ritter Ah, oh, gosh, that's a really tough one. I'll, I'll, I will go. I will go. Howl. It just seems like Atlanta's is going to replace Ritter this off season. Um, I will. I will go with Howl. I will go with Howl. I think we're all in agreement there. Ritter has reached 19 fantasy points in four of his seven games, though. We got to give him a little credit. Yeah, he's reached it in each of his past three. At the very least, he's in the streaming conversation. It looks like we're all a little bit concerned, though, about long term viability. We kind of all seem to view Howell as a holder or a buy. How how would you treat Ritter in Dynasty, Theo? I think he's a hold because you know he's probably more valuable to me than than what I would get back in in terms of a trade asset. Unless you find somebody who's willing to try to get younger at the position and is willing to trade me like some a veteran that I'm going to get more. Like Matt Stafford's a great name. Like Matt Stafford, a lot of people look at him as kind of like a dead Dynasty asset but the production is there um, and he's locked in this season. But Ritter, you know, for, for what it's worth, he's a locked in super flex starter. He's quarterback 19 on the year. He had back-to-back 300 pa- uh, plus passing yard performances. The passing volume's actually been better for Atlanta than it was last year. Uh, and I think Ritter has benefited from that. The turnovers killed him. This could have been another, this could have been a third straight 300 yard passing performance, but he had the three fumbles. So he's kind of shooting himself in the foot with that. Um, and like Ryan says, he's got a chance to bounce back against Tennessee. 
a defense that's, you know, people have to pass on difficult team to run on. So it's up in the air, but Atlanta's winning kind of despite Ritter. Um, and I think at the end of the day, they have too much talent on both sides of the ball that they're not going to make it an improvement at the position. You know, you hear like Justin Fields that going back home to the state of Georgia, something like that would make a lot of sense. I think that this is going to be like you alluded to, Josh, this is a quarterback class with a lot of very appealing prospects, which all that means is there's going to be a number of more quarterbacks boxed out of their current jobs and available to some of these teams just looking to pivot. Player profiler has Desmond Ritter at quarterback 28. Last week, Ian Miller had him at quarterback 32, but he had another solid performance. He had the rushing touchdown. Ian's dynasty ranks will be updated on the site later today. We'll see if he starts to inch a little closer to player profiler's 28 ranking. The last guy we're going to talk about before we discuss a little Caleb Williams is Brock Purdy. How could we not? Purdy was a four-year starter at Iowa State. He threw for some solid yardage, efficiency, decision-making, a little questionable at times. He only reached 20 passing touchdowns in one of those four years. He never quite reached 4,000 passing yards in any of those seasons. But uh, I think we actually saw this uh, on Monday night against the Vikings. He had a couple plays where you're like, oh, this guy is a little bit faster than we'd expect. He had at least 230 rushing yards in all four of his college seasons. As we all know at this point, it's been beaten to death. The 49ers took him, Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick in last year's draft. But with the Niners, he's been a revelation. His career quarterback rating is now 107. That's the highest ever. For context, Mahomes is at 105. Aaron Rodgers is at 103. Peyton Manning is at 97. However, I remember Jimmy Garoppolo. I am old enough to remember Jimmy Garoppolo playing six years with the 49ers. Garoppolo's yards per pass attempt in that Shanahan system was 8.3. That is actually higher than Mahomes' career average. So, Ryan, how should we be balancing the scheme with what Purdy has done through his 12 regular season NFL starts? Yeah, I mean, they've been better with Purdy than Garoppolo, so I think I, I can say Purdy's better than Garoppolo. I'll just come out and say that. But this is how I'd frame it, you know. I've said this to you, Josh, pressure management is a silent killer for NFL quarterbacks long-term. Um, entering the season, that was my biggest concern with Purdy. And, you know, after the, after the Steelers game in week one, I, I you know, I stuck the 49ers at, at the top spot, my power rankings after that, for weeks and weeks until they lost two games. Because Purdy is actually a very is rock solid in pressure management. That's the, the best thing I have to say about him. Um, quick processor, throws good intermediate crosses, good in the short to intermediate game. Not a great thrower downfield, I'd say, but you know he's good. I think where we both have him ranked is where we belong, where he belongs in terms of both you know NFL prospects and fantasy prospects. That said, gentlemen, if Proc Purdy was playing behind the injured Giants offensive line right now, the Giants offense wouldn't function with Purdy either. So we definitely have to take scheme into account here. Guys, no one talks about football the way Ryan does. Love to hear it. Make sure you're following him at Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. Check out his work on the 33rdteam.com. Theo. This is another really tough dynasty eval, like what Ryan said. There, there's the scheme, but also the the fantasy production has been there at times. The efficiency has been incredible. So for dynasty, where, where do you see him two years from now? I honestly see him as the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, unless we get some sort of incredible flame out in the playoffs. That's kind of the X factor is the fantasy playoffs because San Francisco is going to be in a position this year 
certainly the loss to minute. If we had this conversation like two weeks ago, um, you know, we'd all be like just a, a little bit more bullish. The Minnesota game was not great. Uh, but I think, you know, missing Trent Williams, missing Debo Samuel, you get a big asterisk there. But Brock Purdy's had four QB1 weeks uh, this season. This is a player that affords San Francisco the luxury of having a quarterback on a rookie contract. And I don't think they're ever going to have to give him as big of a contract as some of these other quarterbacks as well. I think there'll be a little bit of a discount with him uh, unless he goes out and wins a Super Bowl. So I'm into Brock Purdy. I think Brock Purdy is a dynasty buy, not a dynasty sell. I don't think the market has kind of caught up with kind of what he is. He has fantasy production. He has the coaching staff loving him. This is a Shanahan guy. Mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance. They move on from those guys. This is a Brock Purdy show. We love the quality of the weapons around him and the organization. So I'm I'm big into Brock Purdy. I think he's a long-term solution at quarterback for San Francisco. And I think if you can get him as a quarterback two for your super flex dynasty teams, you're looking great. That's just exactly the kind of guy you want there. I think he's going to finish as a QB one this season and for many years to come. The OG fantasy on Twitter. Theo, I love what you said about the contract in particular, because yes, these next few years, he will be set up for success because he's not just a rookie contract quarterback, but the last pick in the NFL draft rookie contract quarterback. We currently have him quarterback 16 in dynasty player profiler, player profiler, a little more excited at quarterback 14. I think I might lean with player profiler on this one. I I think he's got some long-term viability and uh, I think he's going to be surrounded by some pretty good weapons for these. Billy, Billy Muzio, Billy Muzio wants him to be like quarterback nine, Josh. There's a lot of internal pressure to get him up from Billy Mm. Muzio. That's the, the 49ers uh, fan in, in Muzio a little bit, but loves him, loves him. Yeah, anyone that has like a, a custom Debo Samuel painting or whatever the heck he has in his basement, I'm going to go ahead and say there's a, maybe just a, a sliver of bias there. Ryan, maybe you can hash that out with Theo and Billy tomorrow on First Class Fantasy. Speaking of Ryan, his expert picks and predictions for every game will be on the 33rdteam.com tomorrow. Join our Discord. It's linked in all our articles on the 33rdteam.com. It's linked in Ryan's Twitter at Ryan Reynolds NFL. It's linked in my Twitter at Jay Larkey Tweets and the Player Profiler Discord. Join that one too. They're both free. Player Profiler's Discord is prominently linked in the Roto Underworld Twitter account. And one last note, we are going to have the one, the only, the Podfather on an upcoming podcast very shortly. So be on the lookout for that. Ryan, Theo, we made it. We hit the first year. We hit the second year quarterbacks. Let's talk about the golden boy of next year, Caleb Williams. Theo, which team do you want him to go to? I'll say like kind of an unpopular uh, team here is I would love to see Caleb Williams end up being a New England Patriot. This is a ugly offense. This is the second lowest scoring team in the entire NFL right now. There is a lot of talk about how Bill Belichick's done. This is his last year. They're going to move on. I would love to see Caleb Williams come back and just rescue that ship, the sinking ship, and have them play beautiful offensive football and kind of resuscitate Bill Belichick. I think that would be just a fantastic storyline. And I'm probably the only one that will say New England if you ask like 20 people. I like that answer. Ryan, I feel like an impression is coming, which I'm excited about. Uh, Theo has not heard this yet. He's going to enjoy this Uh one as well. Where, where Where do you think Caleb Williams ends up? Chicago Bears, the Bears. 
You know, the city, the good people of Chicago deserve a quarterback like Caleb Williams. You know, he might walk right in and be the best quarterback in the history of the franchise. You know, no respect to Jim McMahon there, obviously. Kidding a little bit there. Got a lot to prove still. But, you know, this is what I'll say to you, gentlemen. When I watched Patrick Mahomes coming out of college, I loved the landing spot because he was excellent out of structure and Andy Reid was going to help him in structure. It was a perfect marriage. Patrick Mahomes is, you know, if you if you told me right now, guys, that you think he's the best quarterback of all time, I wouldn't give you a ton of pushback. Wouldn't be my answer, but I wouldn't give you a ton of pushback. I don't want to pair, compare Caleb Williams to Patrick Mahomes because I think at this point that's ridiculous. That said, he's excellent out of structure, could be better in structure. What I want for the for the Chicago Bears is steal Ben Johnson from the Lions, give him Caleb Williams, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, solid running game. Say, let's 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 get the Chicago Bears to be a perennial contender. That's another fun one right there. I'm sure there's going to be some pushback about Justin Fields is the answer, and uh, I, I think I would side uh, pretty firmly with you on that one. Guys, before I provide my landing spot that I would like, my dream landing spot, remember, Theo is the OG Fantasy on Twitter. Check him out on playerprofiler.com. Check out all of the Player Profiler podcast content, media content, promo code Theo. Get that all-in package for $75 rest of season. Ryan is Ryan Reynolds NFL on Twitter. All his work is on the33rdteam.com. Now, when I look at Caleb Williams, I would love to see him paired with one of the best receiving trios in the NFL. I'm looking at a team that's got two stud wide receivers, including maybe the best receiver in the game right now, along with one of the NFL's best tight ends. I would love Caleb Williams to play in a dome for at least half of his NFL games. I think any team he goes to becomes legitimate contenders uh, for the next decade at least. And uh, I would like to see him on the now analytically driven Minnesota Vikings. 